0: Welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk all things hockey are
1: your hosts brad crisco ryan Hanna, and evan lobsinger
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna, and before we actually jump into the fun part here, I do want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what you're going to hear this episode and what makes it so unique. So as you've probably been able to tell or you already know, uh, what you're about to listen to is the first ever episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast that was recorded in front of a live audience. Not only that, it was from the Winged Wheel Podcast night at the LCA. So we recorded in Detroit right before a Red Wings game uh, in the LCA in front of hundreds of you. And um, most notably, we were joined by Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond of Bally Sports Detroit. So uh, that was just a phenomenal experience. I should tell you that it's not the uh, audio quality or the kind of audio you're used to hearing. So uh, you'll you'll notice some differences there that Some of it comes just from being uh, in a live recording setting, and some of it just comes from the fact that uh, this was our first kick at the can with this Winged Wheel podcast night at the LCA in in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings. So please know that we are working already with the Red Wings to make the next event even bigger and better in every way. Uh, Spoiler, there will be another Winged Wheel podcast night. Uh, And it's not only going to be just the the audio recording is going to be more professional and clean for you but every aspect of the event we want to make uh even better and even more of a blast but genuinely thank you so much the turnout there was phenomenal the support you showed not just for the podcast but the jamie daniels foundation and, and just seeing the Winged wheel podcast and red wings community grow and come together has been uh just a pretty surreal experience ken and mick were, were completely blown away and uh, there aren't words to describe how myself brad and evan feel as well so thank you all so much and uh, we hope you enjoy this recording of the winged wheel podcast live from the lca featuring ken daniels and mickey redmond enjoy all right uh it's re- it's weird introing a podcast with so many people in the room uh, Evan, hate to break it to you, you don't have the luxury of twenty six edits this episode.
3: I can. So what you're saying is I can say whatever I want.
2: No. Nope. <laughs> uh, everyone, or at least the twenty people in front of me, because I'm sitting lower, so everyone behind you could have left. So at least twenty people. Uh, thank you all so much for coming out. The first ever live episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. <laughs> You're dying. the last time we had a fourth person in the room would have been years years ago so um very thrilled and happy and all the other nice things to have ken daniels lead announcer of the red wings join us today
1: It's very cool, and all that applause, even without prompting. You know, you go to those talk shows, and hey, and everyone's putting their hands up. I didn't see any of that. Shea, I'm glad you're awake. Uh,
3: for now, I am, yes. Yeah.
1: And I call him Shay because he looks just like Shay Weber, who thankfully isn't on the ice tonight for Montreal. But I, I do wish he could play again, and who knows about that. And Brad and Ryan, and most off for the, uh, not just the dub-dub, followers here but the whole red wing community you guys have been unbelievable and and they just over a year have raised more than twenty thousand dollars for the jamie daniels foundation so i thank all of you uh yeah. wonderful and you guys
2: Uh, Ken, I paid everyone in the room five bucks to get the applause thing proper. That's why that works. It's a
1: good move. Did you, now, now you guys, I mean, obviously, what, is it just the, the, for guys that are Canadian, I mean, how, maybe some know, some don't. How did you become Red Wing fans? I know it's your show, but I'm doing the interview. <laughs> but,
2: uh, first time, Ken, uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Let me, let me tell mine, because mine makes sense, and you two have some explaining to do. <laughs> so I'm from Windsor, Ontario. Anyone else here from Windsor? Jeez.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just nobody's claiming wow. to be. No one admits that.
2: Yeah. Wow. And I should have known, because the borders are still largely difficult to get through. Uh, but I grew up in Windsor, and Windsor split um, about 45% of people who are Leafs fans, about 5% Habs fans, and 45% who are smart. We're Red Wings fans, so born and raised uh, Detroit Red Wings fans, but you two are uh, special. I wish I had a good story to
4: explain it. Um, I've been cheering for the Red Wings longer than I can remember going back to the early 90s. I just started cheering for them, don't know why. My first vivid memories watching the Red Wings was the... Game 7 OT lost to Toronto in 93, the San Jose upset in 94, and the Cup sweep in 95, and then the upset to Colorado in 96. So I'm really happy I stuck around beyond that because it was a rough start.
3: Yeah. Um, I guess Nick Listrom was my favorite player growing up, and believe it or not, I was also a defenseman. Ryan. (laughs) Um, So he was my favorite player growing up, so it was sort of a natural fit. And growing up as a 90s kid with the rivalry between Colorado, it kind of just percolated into into fandom.
1: Well, me when I moved here in 97, but... uh... I used to work for the Toronto Maple Leafs doing radio in the late 80s and early 90s. So I left radio and and went to uh, Hockey Night in Canada because my boss, John Shannon, and my mentor at Hockey Night said, you'll have to leave radio because I don't want any bad habits, meaning too descriptive on television, because you don't have to say every player who has the puck, which was easy to do when I I left because our radio station lost the rights. So the timing couldn't have been better (laughs) for me to leave radio to come to TV. But I remember the 93 upset because I was working for the Maple Leafs and CBC television at the time and and Nikolai Borshevsky tipped in the Bob Rouse shot so uh, I remember that well and Mike Murphy and Mike Kitchen and Pat Burns and and all the boys cheering at that time for Toronto I'm from Toronto but believe me I have no allegiance for those suckers for 54 years without a (laughs)
0: couple not anymore (laughs)
2: So we will get to Red Wings hockey here, uh, but Ken did mention, uh, everyone who's listened to the show knows, we promise we'll never do a long intro and then 12 minutes later, Um, but Ken did mention the the great support. Uh, $20,000 has been either donated or (laughs) pledged to the Jamie Daniels Foundation (laughs) through the through the wings, money on the board campaign, uh, which we um, very forcefully stole from uh, Bonks Mullet. I don't know if you've seen him; he's very funny on Twitter. He's actually around. I won't tell you what he looks like, though, in case he wants to stay anonymous. Uh, they do it with the sends, and so uh, Prashanth Iyer and us on the podcast thought, you know, we have so much great uh, momentum and support for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Let's give some. Let's give this some longevity and. The way everyone's taking it up has been amazing. Uh, It's a season-long campaign, so Wings Money on the Board if you haven't done it yet. Um, And we have a one-off event for this game specifically. So if you make a pledge, for example, uh, one of my favorite ones was um, $1 for every minute Giovanni Smith plays. (laughs) Will be donated to the Jamie Daniels Foundation.
1: That's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you get. A ta- can I go for Moe cider? <laughs> I don't think you get a tax
3: receipt for that. No. No. Yeah. Right.
2: Someone. There are a lot of most cider-related ones. I think uh, fifty-three dollars per most cider point is very popular, and uh, you make that pledge, and so then you can donate uh, after the game based on how it all works out, and then if you donate and show us your proof. Uh, You'll be entered to win some cool prizes. So we have a signed Red Wings jersey. What's the the name on the jersey? Is it again? That I brought? Yeah. Uh, Namesnikov. Vlad Namesnikov. He's scoring lately. Yeah, he is scoring lately. One behind his
1: total all of last year. We
2: have a Moritz Sider jersey. We have a Lucas Raymond jersey. Uh, We have a Winged Wheel Podcast shop gift cards. Oh, by the way, before I forget, for everyone in the room, uh, I'm sorry you couldn't buy merch here, but what I did was I created a coupon code on the wingedwheelpodcast.com store for free shipping. The code is, and I'm not kidding, Brad is short. <laughs> Brad is short, and you'll get free shipping. And that is my way of saying sorry for not being able to sell things here.
1: Is that like a hashtag like all one or do you have to it's just it's all one, yeah. It's all one. Yeah. Brad is short. I get you know, when you guys started this and I saw it last year, and I really on the air. I was sort of torn because I didn't know how to actually present it because if you remember last year, the Red Wing power play was just awful and uh, it started the old for 40 campaign and here I'm sort of rooting for them not to score <laughs> and then Christian Juice ruined the whole thing. I think... If I remember, it was the end of the 0 for 40, and it was the 41st try. Was, I think you got it. But that's when you guys started making pledges and Prashant, and uh, it, it was crazy. And just to see the support from the Redmond community was uh, unreal. So it was very nice. So thank you for everything you're doing. And and if we don't get the plug in later, I want to tell everybody here and when this runs again and I know we'll probably talk about it later, we'll get to hockey now. But the uh, the celebrity roast of Brett Hull will run a week from this Monday. Uh if you're not uh, if you don't have Bally Sports Detroit, you can see it at jamiedanielsfoundation.org. It'll be on YouTube, it'll live there, and uh donations can be made that night and we've got a great a fan I think it's I I, I see a lot of silent auctions. But if you go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org now and register There's a ton of items up there right now you can bid on, and it is uh, really fantastic. So, And I think you'll love the roast. Uh, The guys uh, from Ken Hitchcock and Brian Burke and Kelly Chase and Dennis Hull, Garth Butcher, and they tell funny, funny stories about Brett, and he was such a good sport. Uh, How could he not be? He lived it. We went blues.
3: He hasn't given us any content lately.
1: No, Brett, no. no. And just just he thanked Ovechkin last night, which is very nice of him. We'll, we'll show that on the air tonight about passing him last night, uh, dropping him to fifth. I thought that would happen before. But um, anyway, if you go to jamiedannisfoundation.org and uh, a week from this Monday, the 22nd at 8 p.m., the roast will run. It's a tape. Hopefully next year we'll be live here in Detroit again as we were two years ago when we roasted Mickey. It was a great event. Last year, Scotty virtually, and this year, Brett Hall. So there you go.
2: You should have seen Evan's face I'm not making this up when we told him there were golf packages. Oh,
1: yeah,
3: ton of them. I'm all over that now. Yeah.
1: You got to come here, though.
3: You realize that. He almost brought his clubs. I almost played today. He almost brought his clubs. You should have seen Ryan's face when I told him that. It was a little
1: chilly today. This week we did, but it was a little chilly.
2: He was absolutely going to do it.
1: Okay. Well, that's that's insane. He went to the wrong
2: hotel today. Evan went to the wrong hotel today. To. I need, there's no bit here. I just need everyone to know Evan went to the wrong hotel today. <laughs> well, you
3: said you were in the, the lobby of the Marriott, so I googled Marriott. I All right. All put right. my GPS to that. And I get out in the lobby. I'm like, where are you? You're like, the Marriott. I was like, I'm not the Marriott. You're like, the Marriott Courtyard. I was like, Renaissance. <laughs> and there goes my car on the
1: ballet. So I, <laughs> hey, it could have been there goes your car. That is true.
3: That is just ballet. That would have been much better content. But last
2: we are. It would have been much more amusing. yep yeah. All right, Red Wings hockey. I am so thankful. We are all so thankful to be back, and I am so thankful that the Red Wings are playing like they are this year, and they're not playing like how they were last
1: year. Because what a what a complete shift. I'll second that. <laughs> you know, what, I spoke with you guys on a, I don't know, it was a month ago on the podcast. I think you asked me what were, what were my expectations. And I said, I don't have any. Because honestly, if the team is competitive, night in and night out, I think like they have been, except for the, the, the crap show in Montreal all that night, uh, the, the 6-1 game. Um, but other than that, most nights, mean, maybe a couple, they're right in it. And that's, that's what you want to see. You want to see the young kids playing. You're not relying on the veterans. Not that there's that many on this team, but just to see the, the progress, I, uh, or should I say progress around you guys? <laughs> Just to see the – I've adapted. Just to see the <laughs> – I was going to say. Just to see the progress, I th- I think that should be the expectation. I-, I truly believe playoffs are a year or two away, and not just because of the Red Wings, but because of the division that they're in and the teams that they're up against. I mean, anything can happen. It could shock you, I suppose. But if it's not, have that expectation that you're seeing something build here, and if the deadline players are moved for others going forward who are going to be part of that when you're in there three, four – years from now competing to upset in the first round and make some waves. That's the thing we're looking for this year, I think.
4: Well, Thursday's game against Washington was a pretty good example of that because Washington put on a master class in defense. They just stifled everything the Red Wings did, and it's really easy to look at that in a bubble and go, yeah, the Red Wings didn't generate anything that game. Well, outside of a 10-second window, neither did Washington. Detroit's defense was matching it step for step the entire game, which is something that really hasn't happened in the last few years where One thing isn't going the Red Wings way,
1: but they nailed the other half of it. So it was still a competitive game the entire way through. Yeah. And you knew, you know, Washington's besides Seattle, because they have to, the second best shot blocking team in the league is Washington. And you knew with Zach Ficali, uh, his first NHL game at the age of 26. He was a star. You guys know in Canadian junior hockey, a couple of Memorial Cups and, and with the world juniors, the team a teammate of Robbie Fabry and some guy named McDavid on that team when they won gold in 15. Yeah. But you know, it's, it, it, when you, when you see Zach Ficali, he's one of those goalies who, who shut out Detroit. First time the Red Wings have been shut out in their history by a goaltender making his NHL debut. But you see Zach Ficali, six-foot goaltender. And when he was picked in 2015, it was right on the edge. They were getting bigger and bigger, and six feet was, oh, you're not really sure. Now you're just not seeing that happen anymore. So that's why he got squeezed out of Montreal, I think. Yeah, Price was there, sure, but even as a backup to get playing time, just never happened for him. So um, Washington played well in front of him, and you knew they'd be determined. They did. But to your point, yeah, defense was pretty much matched, except for the 10 seconds.
2: The Red Wings are heading into the point of a season now where – I don't want to say things are going to get tougher, but we've had the excitement, we've had the flare of you know Raymond really lighting it up, Sider being years ahead of where you think he'd be. Um, we don't have a Canadian game for a while, so that top line should be able to stay together. You know, the praying injuries stay away. What are you looking for from the Red Wings as they they get into that stretch? As now that they're in the flow of the season, what are your expectations, especially for Raymond and Sider? I suppose.
1: Well, the more games you play, and because of the uh, Olympic break, providing they're, they're still going, and we'll know that by early January in the COVID world, you can never be assured of that. But how do they handle the short stretch of many games in, in a short period of days? Um, that's what you're going to see. And, we we talk, you know, a perfect example, when I talked to guys, was Brendan Perlini, who had, with Edmonton, six or seven goals in the preseason. I said, they haven't dropped the puck yet. I mean, just wait. I mean, that's when you're, you're playing against guys who are, and he's been around for a while, but you're playing against guys in the American Hockey League and junior. And now you're, now you're seeing now, now the cream rises. So when you get into November where we are now and it's going to get tougher for him, and they have tendencies, they learn what you're going to do. I remember Dylan Larkin his rookie year, terrific. And he'd do a lot of that circling around and then guys get used to that. And now you let him go and it was tougher he had to adapt he had to adapt to what other teams do to them so when teams and they do scouting and the advanced scouting we're after a game and we're on the bus going to the airport after a game and then we get off the bus and we're at the terminal and and blash is on there with the coaches their laptops are out and then we're on the plane their laptops are out we're leaving the plane their laptops are out they're getting ready for the next game and they don't stop I mean, so right away, so they're learning tendencies, the other team, because they've recorded not just our team, but they've got clips from the other team. And what are they doing? So other teams adapt to what our players do. So, again, my expectations, if they can keep it going where they are now, that's great. But uh, if it fell off a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked. And it's not what they aren't doing. It's what other teams are doing to them.
2: Our uh, conversation last episode. Actually, we uh, we talked about Sam Girard, and based on the comments online, I didn't know that would be the most divisive topic in America. <laughs> um, but other than Sam Girard, we were talking about the Red Wings at the trade deadline because I think everyone was kind of expecting this to be one of maybe the last deadlines where, yeah, the Red Wings are going to be sellers. A bit better, but maybe sellers. But after the start to this year, how much credit do you give to the conversation of even if you're not buying, don't sell just to sell because this group is winning and that's important?
1: That's a long pause. I heard when you guys did that. Um, I still say you're selling. Okay. I do. I do. I mean, Nick Letty, whom you got for a second, you're going to get it back. You got nine players who are unrestricted free agents, including Thomas Grice. Um, he's been very good, but teams may need him, but then the team we're playing on Monday, Jonas Corposello is an unrestricted free agent, and they got Merzlikens locked up. If he doesn't keep You know, um, congratulating opposing goaltenders (laughs) for a shutout, he'll get to play. That was the strangest thing I've seen this year.
2: It was really weird. Elvis, Merzlikins, and
1: Columbus, you tell the story.
2: Well, yeah, it was uh, who's the goalie across from them? So Uh,
1: so the
4: Jackets were playing the Rangers. Shusterkin was in net. Um, There's 20 seconds left or 10 seconds left, something like that. And Columbus was about to run a breakout, and Merzlikins basically said, don't. And let the clock run out and then congratulated Shisterkin for, for a shutout. So never seen that before.
1: So if you're on the team and they're playing each other tonight again, Columbus Rangers were in Columbus on Monday. They weren't too happy. Uh Merzlikens didn't play the next two games, actually. He was back up and they they had been alternating a lot. But is unrestricted. So bringing it back to the Red Wings and Grice is unrestricted. So nine guys. I mean, Mestikov's playing well now. But are you not selling that at the deadline? Fabry may be... A little bit different, but their whole left side of the defense is unrestricted. So I guess that comes to your point in making a move for what you can need someone under term. I don't think you're just selling off. You can, o- to be honest, you can only have so many draft picks. Red Wings have nine and seven in the first four rounds this next year. I don't think you're just selling to get more picks because you can only have 50 contracts in your organization or thereabouts and you can't sign everybody you're going to pick in the same year, but You do build through the draft. I mean, Vegas has made a lot of deals and Jack Eichel and you're moving picks, but they're still building through the draft because those picks they accumulated, they're moving to get talent. So it's not like every pick you accumulate and if Steve Eisenman at the deadline winds up with now a dozen picks or 13, what are you going to do with them all? You're going to move them for something else or you go to the draft floor. So it's not like you have to sell everything at the trade deadline. On March 21st, I think it is, but when the draft comes around and you're on the draft floor, I still think you're looking to the future because if you think your team's going to be competitive and maybe make a wave and get into the playoffs two years from now, what are you getting that's going to be here and be ready in three years from now? So if you think you're going to be set in a couple of years, what do you got coming now that's maybe already been drafted for a couple of years, a prospect from another team that's going to be ready to fit into your roster three years from now? I hate to say it, but a couple of years from now and and Tyler Batuzzi's going to be, what, 27, 28? Now you're going to be ready to make a move at, at three years from now. Now he's 28, 29, and you're thinking, okay, still a good player. But where's your team going to be when these guys – I mean, 40 is now 30 in the NHL. Or 42, I mean, okay, take char out of it. But 42 and 32, now 33. You're 35 outside of being a goaltender? I don't know. The game is so fast now and the players are so much younger that you're probably not playing till you're 40 and you don't have to play till you're 40 because you've made all your money by the time you're 30. <laughs> in all honesty, it's a different world now in the league.
4: And even now with how... Rapidly, the young players develop. Like looking at Raymond Insider, we can only imagine how good they're going to be in two, three years, but that leads to show how quickly teams turn it around now. Uh, what was it Chicago was out of the playoffs in 07, won the cup in 2010? You, if you accumulate enough draft picks and prospects, those are just assets for when you want to flip the switch and go, All right, we're all in. So if Eisman's got an extra first, an extra prospect, an extra second, and all of a sudden the Red Wings are sitting in february second place in the division pretty comfortable playoff spot and looks like they can make a run yeah you you pull the vegas model and you flip them for the patch and the eichels and the stones of the world and all of a sudden it's that can, easy it's that easy yeah, yeah. just like that. yeah and then and then and
1: then you have to hope for some luck that you're healthy because the yeah. patch and the stones and they aren't yeah. and who knows vegas better get going and hang in there until they're healthy uh, to be in that playoff chase i mean it'd be crazy if they weren't and chicago to your point yes there are the outliers and i know and we can talk about this again and and where and i said it on the air the other night where, where ken holland got ridiculed by many uh and that should the should the rebuild have started maybe a <laughs> <Oops>. years. <laughs> well exactly but should the rebuild and he goes in the hall of fame monday and i think deservingly and should the rebuild have started maybe a year or two earlier than it did? Sure. But there are other factors. There's a 25-year playoff streak going on. That's in your control somewhat, but also beyond it, because you've also got a new building coming. So when he had that news conference, and my goodness, and Kenny and I joke about that, that it went on for an hour, and I walked out because he called me when I was on my way home and said, you left. I said, I can only hang listen to you for so long. But he said at that time, He said, a rebuild, I'm here to tell you, rebuilds 8 to 10 years. He got ridiculed in the media for that. He's not wrong. Where are we now? Four? It depends how you want to look at it. Four, five, three? I don't know. Year five, at least. Almost
2: as long as we've been doing the podcast. Uh, Yeah. Actually, we started the podcast and then...
1: Everything went south. So take from that what you will. You're okay. <laughs>
2: You're welcome,
1: everyone. <laughs> All right. And there were some, you know, Datsuk left early and then you moved Datsuk's contract and you signed Franz Nielsen. It didn't turn out too good. You could add Chikra now. You got Chaloski instead. You picked up her own. There were some moves that maybe in hindsight and every GM in the league has those hindsight moves. My goodness, there are a ton of them. So when he said eight to 10 years, he wasn't wrong. So if this is, call it year four to saw it off, whatever you want. And then another two years and you see progress. Well, now, and when he said that, it's to be competitive every year and win a Stanley Cup. It wasn't to make the playoffs. He said, if you're in for a rebuild, now let's go back and use Buffalo. Let's, for heaven's sake, let's use Toronto. (laughs) They did well in Babcock and moved it along. I don't see a Stanley Cup. Let's go to Colorado that had 48 points, and then you're picking first overall. You're grabbing Nathan McKinnon, or was he there at the time? I can't remember. may have already been drafted, but you're getting picked. So the outliers in his 10-year could be Sidney Crosby, where you have Fleury, you got Malkin, you win the lottery in 05, and you got Crosby. Okay? You get Crosby. So then you win the Cup by beating the Red Wings. Okay, fine, whatever. In 09, and you got Chicago, you win the lottery, you go from five to one, you get Patrick Kane, you got Jonathan Taves. Okay, that's pretty good. You've also hopefully going to win a lottery in here somewhere for Detroit. I think so far, by what we're looking at, picking four for Raymond and six for Cider is is pretty damn good. All right, if you go back and you guys talked about do the redrap with Sedina, he'd still be one of the few there as you can talk about Hughes. But yes, Sedina would still probably be up there in that range. So it is 8 to 10 years in a rebuild. It is. And they're on their way. So when you talk about expectations, I'm just expecting they'll get better and live to that, that in 8 years, year after year after year, you keep it going and you're not a one-off.
2: The, uh, the lotteries. So that's uh, for everyone in the crowd. Uh, the draft lottery is this myth- mythical place where other teams win and move up and they get better players. But in all seriousness, uh, the Red Wings haven't won a lottery. And how massive was it for... You know, not just Steve Eisman, he came in a couple months before they took Cider, but Chris Draper and even before him, right, and that team and the group that they have over there over the last couple of years to nail those picks because, like you said, you're almost making up for not winning. And
1: were those, if those were whiffs, we're, we're looking at extra years in this rebuild. Right. And there are some when we don't know, um, you don't know whether a whiff is, you, you wouldn't think so. Lafreniere. I love Tim Stutzla. But I remember talking to our people before that draft began that any one of those top four could be as good as the other. And maybe we're seeing that now. So yes, you'd love to win the lottery. You'd love to have that first pick overall. And then there's a lot of pressure to get it right. But you do trust the management people that they will. But a lot of people don't get it right. And you're not for sure who you're going to get. They can be okay at number one. We can go through the list. There are a ton of them. You can be okay at number two. But what do you, what do you really get?
2: I want to put the bug in everyone's ear. Not right now, but think of some questions. If you have some questions you want to ask, and if you ask anything inappropriate, I'll whip a magnet at your head. (laughs) Hey, free magnets. Yes. Uh, But think of some questions. We'll call on you in a little bit. Um, We talked about Vlad Uh, I guess what everyone's opinion is. We've come into the season talking about Lucas Raymond, talking about Tyler Bertuzzi, that top line. That's where the scoring is coming from. But in recent games, like for example the Edmonton game, they got they got stuck against the Connor McDavid line And pretty much the strategy there is you go out there and pray You just try to mitigate um, And who shows up other than Vlad Nemesnikov In Detroit's depth Topic here is who has shown up for Detroit this year That has, was either surprising or is being underappreciated This year?
1: Yeah In depth? Yeah. I, I'd say you're probably right In Nemesnikov uh, I think Mitchell Stevens Has been good Uh Luke Lindenning, I know, has not been a healthy scratch in Dallas yet, but Blake Como, I think, just got put on waivers by Dallas, so they're, they're third and fourth line, and the Stars are really struggling, and nobody saw that coming. But the Red Wings relied so much on Glenn Denning and Helm and PK, and you can see where they are in face-offs, that's dropped off somewhat uh, when you don't have a Glenn Denning. So I think Mitchell Stevens has been nice, and he's been through the Tampa, so he's seen the winning. So I'd say he's been fairly consistent for the role that he's in. Uh, I think uh helping out a third line. I know they moved Rass up to the third line Again, you know, we talk about Ras for a ninth overall pick, but he's doing what he's doing. He's been okay. Would you like to see more? Maybe in time that'll pop a little bit. I don't think there's a big offensive ceiling there, but maybe a little. Um, so far I'd like to see Zadina pop and go, but you know, um, playing with Fabry where he is in there. I, I think that, I think that second line can be okay. I can be all right. Hopefully. I got distracted partway through. The libations are here. Round of applause for that
2: bar. Great. Getting set up. You <laughs> gotta close one of those windows. are gonna um, Okay, what questions do we have from the crowd? Who has a question they wanna pose to the Windwheel podcast? Why Chris Howes get
0: in the
1: hall? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he's enjoying Ken Holland's party tonight, who's going into the hall. Nice. <laughs> Nice helmet. Yeah, Chris isn't with us tonight. He's gonna to join me in Columbus on Monday. Uh, but hopefully one day he will be. You're I'll right. Do this with
3: you, then. Get a
1: sign for
3: me?
1: No. <laughs> I'm not lugging that around. You know what you want to do though? Oh god, what's the place called? I was just there. It's on my website. If you it's on my website. I do have a website. But if you go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org, maybe it'll get you to bid and I'll tell you what you do. You want Ozzy to sign that? You go to John Hughes Place. And uh, I'm trying to think exactly where what it's called. I'm going to look it up. Anyway, I'll get it for you. Drop it off. Ozzy's yeah. in there all the time. He gave us a lot of stuff for our auction on our site. So if you go down, there's a big Chris Osgood actually canvas that he signed on there. And he donated. And you'll be able to probably drop that off and ask him a favor. Buy something when you're in there, yeah. though, okay? Yeah. Don't be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Buy something when you're in there. And maybe you know, Ozzy next time he pops in, he'll sign it for you. All, all right. Show of hands, who's got another question for us? Joseph. Yeah, I was
2: just wondering if
0: uh, somebody brought you
2: T-shirts today and maybe if you wanted to take a look at them. Yeah, we... Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not physically near those T-shirts right now. Um, Evan, they're to your left over there. Uh, you guys have heard the Stay Fresh Cheese Bags <laughs> stupidity on the show. The gentleman who just asked the question, Joseph, uh, from the big city of New York, uh, signed off one episode with Stay Fresh Cheese Bags and... Windwheel podcast fans, and I say this with so much love, knowing that I'm not any better, uh, you're the weirdest people ever. All right. <laughs> and you have just adopted the Stay Fresh Cheese Bags mantra. And <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> that one. That That's yours, Brad. That one is, is that, Brad's. Thank you. Oh. Uh, Any other questions from the crowd?
1: Well, thank you, but that was a statement, not a question. (laughs) I appreciate that very much. Thank you. And you know what? Others will just tell you we're homers. But I really, you know what? I don't think we are. I think Mick tells it like, it like it is. For the most part, he does. And he'll say, boy, if you were that so-and-so team, you wouldn't like that. So, yeah, do we cheer more excitedly? And I, and I tell this to people when I hear others not call a visiting team goal with any enthusiasm whatsoever in <clears throat> Colorado. But <laughs> I don't know if I said to you guys before, and I was in the other room, and I had the Colorado game on, and I walked back in, and I said, they tied it. When the hell did that happen? So I rewound the game, and it went to score. Yeah, they do that. I had to. Yeah, it drives me crazy. So to me, the game's the thing. So if the other team scores, do I get excited? No. But will I acknowledge the goal if it was a nice goal? Hell yeah, because that's what the game's about, and I won't do disservice to the game. But if you want to check a decibel level and a Red Wing call to any visitor, I defy you to tell me I've ever called a visitor goal more than Detroit. But it's close some nights. But it's not more. Couple more questions here.
3: Everett. Chad? So this is uh, an important event for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Um, A lot of people are affected by substance use disorder. Uh, It's often a silent disorder, something that we don't often become aware of in the people that are our loved ones. Um, Could you just speak to the importance of the foundation to you, uh, maybe what it means to have the support, and uh, how else we can continue to
1: support you in the future? Thank you for that, Everett. You know what, I'm, I'm going to do this quickly because this is a Red Wing podcast, so I understand you guys support our foundation, which is wonderful. But let me just say, just like if you're addicted to anything, um, hey, some people have work addiction. You, you have anything that you need help with, uh, alcoholism, uh, substance use disorder, which we've turned the phrase from addiction uh, to substance use disorder, which could start... Um, as anything is prescription medication. Uh, my son was at Michigan State and to rush the frat, believe it or not, the uh, fraternity had them take prescription drugs. Now, that's not just where he was turned on to them because after all, the doctor prescribed it, it must be okay. No, it's not. And within five days, my son was hooked. Now, he graduated from Michigan State, went to go work at a law firm, got himself sober, wanted to be sober and said, I need to go to rehab. He acknowledged it. And then the patient brokering side got him in the uh, illegal greedy side of the recovery business so the point is we all maybe know someone who is struggling if it's not happening in your house God bless you I hope it's not but if someone is struggling all I ask is that you have empathy and not judgment because empathy is the highest form of knowledge it comes without judgment an addict didn't wake up one morning and say I want to be an addict an alcoholic didn't say one day let me have this drink and I'm going to screw up the rest of my life That's not how it happens. So we tend to view anything above the shoulders, a mental illness, mental wellness. I like to refer to it if we can get better. We don't talk about anything above the shoulders. We'll talk about any other disease that we have. Heaven forbid it's cancer or anything else. But my son and all those who are addicted, whether it be opioid medicine or anything else, don't die as a junkie with a needle in their arm. That's not how it happens. The chemical receptors in their brains have changed. And it's been proven. So let's not, I know more and more kids are vaping today. It is a gateway. And people can tell you, oh, it's only marijuana. Sure, it's legal now, but it can be. And know the history of your family. And let's have empathy and let's try to keep it within reason. If you have any prescription drugs in your home, please get rid of them, dispose of them properly. You could have had shoulder surgery, knee surgery. Your grandparents may be living with you and had issues years ago and it's sitting in your medicine cabinet. Trust me, we've seen it through our foundation. The kids who are teenagers, 90% of those addicted, start before their 18th birthday. Get the stuff out of your house, dispose of it properly, don't flush it in the toilet. And we know because I went up to Lake Superior and what's going on in that lake and the drugs that are being flushed and into the water system. There are, police will take them from you, there are take-back days Dispose of what's in your home. Let's help solve the problem.
4: Thank you.
2: We had a question from the gentleman back there who is roughly as tall as me. <laughs> uh, what's going on with Did you hope that our
3: next center is a right shot? I do. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, you do need a center for sure, but you know what? You can speak... Better to uh, Shane Wright than I, um, and Connor Bedard. But from what I'm hearing, Shane Wright hasn't had a great year, and I, I wouldn't say right now. Don't don't look at Shane Wright where people are talking. He's not Connor McDavid, and probably isn't Jack Eichel. So Shane Wright's a good player, but I I, I don't think it's the be all and end all in this draft coming up.
4: It'll help. Hang on. Oh.
0: Have a seat.
1: What the hell is going on here? No. At 5
0: I know. On a Saturday. Wow. Great to see y'all. Look at this color. God Almighty, that's great. Thanks for the support, guys. We love it. We love it. The kids are doing great, aren't they? <laughs> How are we doing, are
2: guys? Good, Mick. Uh, good, how about you? Uh, everyone, this seems very planned, like that was an entrance, but this is our first
1: time meeting Mickey Redmond as well. So, Thank Mick, good. good to meet you. Thanks for coming out. Ryan, Brad, and I haven't said anything, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know this, so I haven't said anything. So, Ryan, Brad, and Evan, but who's Evan look like to you?
0: Langfield. Josh <laughs> Langfeld. Okay. All right. and, and, and a great defenseman, though, <laughs> in the NHL.
1: Think that, too. Right now?
0: Not playing right now, I
1: don't know. <laughs> she, Shea Langbelt's a pretty good job. Yeah, Josh Langbelt, Shea Weber.
0: Okay. This, yeah. gets, this bit's not you're, working. You're, you're, <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully you're in better shape than Shea.
2: That is oh. definitely not true. <laughs> he golfs more. He definitely golfs yeah. more. Uh, he golfs more than Shea so, Weber. Okay, where's home for you guys? Uh, I'm from right across the river in Windsor, but we're actually in Kitchener just now. We're outside of
3: Toronto. Okay.
0: Yeah. Kitchener Ranger games? Or? Yep. Yeah, yes, a Rangers games. That arena, I used to play in that arena back in 1965. It's the exact same. same. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing yeah.
2: has changed at all. Same no. popcorn?
0: Same yeah. popcorn? Oh, yeah.
2: Your jock strap's still hanging up there. We don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little, they're probably pretty smelly by now. Uh, that's a long time ago. So, how are we doing? Everybody's doing good? Yeah, we're doing wow. good. Well, I, I understand that. Uh, that these lads have raised a ton of dough for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Well, not just us. Everybody here. Yeah. Yeah. All community. Oh, see, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for that, you guys. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, hopefully the uh, that money and much more is going to go to help a lot of not only young people, but uh, all the people that may be suffering from addiction of some sort or other. So we appreciate the, the support for that. For and, sure.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mick. And I know, you know, when when I asked Mickey to uh, be roasted in 2019, that was our live event. We had 800 people at Motor City Casino. And as I say, Scotty last year, Brett Hall this year. And when I called Doc Emmerich to MC it, and I said, Doc, we're holding a roast in uh, in Jamie's memory. Um, you know, would you host it? And he said would you be roasting a former 50-goal right-winger? <laughs> I didn't even have to say Mick's name. He just knew. But I, I'm, you know, you guys ask Mickey questions. You, you ask me for the first half hour. Go ahead. If people got questions, you guys, for Mick, uh, have at it. What's you get- it
3: like working with Ken know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear a lot of horror, horror stories about that guy.
0: I need to <laughs> <no>. know. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> that's not an easy question to answer not for a bad reason but uh oh. you know we we started what 1970 1997 right yep 97 yep so ken tells me i don't keep track of this stuff that we are the longest what the longest partner television commentators together right now in the yeah yeah
1: tied tied with washington ben and and lachlan 25 oh. years <laughs>
0: Fun to have fun, but on the serious side, if I can, I'll start with that. Just the other day, not maybe yesterday, I forget. Um, somebody asked me about Ken, and I said, you know, nobody studies harder, nobody works harder, and comes more prepared to do the games. And I told him many, many times over that uh, he's the he's the top of his class in play-by-play guys in the NHL. So me, I, I, uh, we laugh about uh, running into Bob Cole, and some of you may or not know. <laughs> Uh, of Bob, but Bob was a, an icon in, in uh, hockey night in Canada. I had the pleasure to work with him way back in the eighties, eighty to eighty-five, when I went to CBC. And uh, one night, where
1: were we? we? Were Tampa Bay? We were getting the taxi. Out. No, it was, at, it was after the morning skate in Tampa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And Bob Paul uh, got out. Was he getting out of a cab or something? was he yeah, getting out or in? Well, we were getting. We're, oh, he was getting out. He was, he was getting, getting out, out of the there. cab. And Ken said something about a briefcase, and Bob said. I don't need a briefcase for notes. It's all up here, baby. It's all up here. Yeah, <laughs> All the information. But uh, this guy comes prepared uh, better than anybody I've ever seen. And uh, it makes my job easier because, as you all probably know, I'm all over the goddamn board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's all here also for me. After, uh, what, 40, I don't know, 42 or 43 years of uh, being able to have fun doing what I do. And it, it actually started by accident. Came back from Glen Falls trying to make a comeback and a friend of mine said would you like to try television <laughs> I said, okay why not and uh nobody taught me they, they just threw me on there and i had a bunch of notes and it was uh, it was a wild ride and i used to say to my friends to make it a long story short you guys watch here the next day, we'll go for a beer, and you can let me know how I did. Well, that was the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> Holy Christ. That's why we don't read the comments i got to these now. They just carved me up from one side to the other. But that's how I learned. So it was a lot of fun, and uh, we're learning every day and having a ball.
1: You know, let me add to that, though. Ralph Mellenby, who is the Dean of Hockey Night in Canada, and my mentor, as I mentioned earlier before he got here, John Shannon, uh, my boss who gave me my start in television in, in uh, nine early 90s with Hockey Night in Canada, uh, Ralph Mellenby said about Mickey, this is on a podcast with him, he was a natural. And I remember listening to you in the Islanders Cup years, and you were working with Bob and uh, Jim Robson, probably Vancouver, right?
0: Robson, I you? worked with Robson, right. uh, Dave Hodge, and Cherry, and Cole, Danny Gallivan. Danny Gallivan, Dick Irvin. Actually, when I started in 1980 over there, they said they're going to put me in Montreal because I played there for four years, and I was going to work with Dick and Danny. And I go, you know, this is, this is really nuts because I got to play with Henry Richard and John Beliveau and John Ferguson and Cornway and all those guys in Montreal. Then I come to Detroit, I get Howe and Delvecchio and Bergman and all these guys. And, and then I go to Hockey Night Canada and I get Gallivan. And I mean, it's like superstars everywhere. So I, uh, I was uh, very blessed to have a lot of people that were really, really good at what they did uh, next to me for those first few years. And Montreal was a ball. And then of course we did some leaf games and I covered those Islanders, a lot of the games against the Oilers back, those four Stanley Cups. Uh covered all of them and uh, had a had a, a lot of fun doing that. So it uh, those were good guys. But you know what? When you got guys like that get around you, you can learn from them every day, and that's what it's all about. You never stop learning.
1: And if you watch McDo analysis and the telestrator which he loves doing and you were with Howie Meeker and I grew up watching Howie Meeker and stop it right there and all that it's uh I tell I tell other analysts in the league or they, they watch Mickey and when Mickey breaks down a game it's there's there's two words in our business for an analyst and you know what they are it's how and why how did it happen and why don't tell us what that because, was Ralph
0: Mellon yeah Mellon said to me the first time he started he said. People are watching the television set. They can see what happened. I don't want to hear you say, you went up the right side and he had a beautiful shot and he scored. We don't need that crap. What we need is what we want. You've been there. You've done the good things. You've done the bad things. We want to know what's going on inside the game. And from that, uh, back in the day, you guys are probably all too young to remember this, but we used to have time for three replays when the game wasn't going as fast as it is. The games were over three hours. So it used to become a a challenge for me. The first two were fairly easy. You'd look at the defense or you'd look at the goalie or you'd look at the offensive guy. The third one became like a game for me. It was a challenge. How do you say something important that isn't redundant and maybe a little bit entertaining? So it was like, let's try to figure this out. We don't get that opportunity today.
2: Can you teach us? Please, we can do I a teach pod-
0: you?
1: We do a podcast twice a week and we're struggling over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. How not to be redundant. <laughs> but you see, I go into every game and I may have some things and I, none of what we do, or at least 99.5% of it, none of it we, we talk about before the game. See, my goal is if I can get him to laugh. <laughs> now, some nights we do. I remember the night we were in Boston. And the guy behind the Bruins bench, and Shanny was playing for us, and there was a guy, John, at Shanny behind our bench, and Shanny came over. We caught it on camera, and he had a certain jersey on in Boston. And you read Shanny's lips, and I couldn't tell what Shanny said, but you're a damn good lip reader because you said, "You know what Shanny just said?" I said, "No." He said, "He told that guy to go back to Hartford because he was wearing a Hartford Whalers jersey," it was, and I didn't even catch it. But you're pretty good at lip reading. So when he says, oh, it's a family show, I know he knows exactly. <laughs> he knows exactly what they said down there.
0: Well, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've gone, uh, I guess, that many games in the, in the league, and you, you know it kind of, it's a different world down there. Um, I was also telling a story the other day. In the Boston Garden in the old days, I was a right winger, and I'd go up and down. The benches were on the opposite side of the ice. And the Boston bench, we used to have to go through their bench to get our dressing room. You can believe that. Right wingers twice a game, two periods. And I said, if I got my head cut off once, I got it cut off 25 times a game. The language and the, and the, oh my God, it was like, really? This is the NHL? I'm a 19 year old kid. Didn't know my ass is third base. And I go, holy crap, this is unbelievable. And then we get, we had this thing done not long ago this year. Somebody's going to a post game show. John Keating said to me, have you ever been involved in a bench-clearing brawl? And I said, seriously? (laughs) Really? How many? I didn't fight that much. I only fought when I had to. But sure enough, not before I got home, I got a text. There's an eight-minute bench-clearing brawl in Boston, and it started with me getting tripped in front of the Boston Nets. And it went on for eight minutes, real time. Oh, my God, it was unbelievable.
1: And you know what the most impressive thing about that story is? that he got a text and now he can actually view it. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy with a flip phone for the longest time. I remember, I may, it was only like seven or eight years ago now because I never call you at home. I just call you on your phone. And I called Mickey's house and I got a busy signal. When was the last time anyone heard a busy signal? <laughs> So I call Mickey and I tell him on his cell, I said, I called your house and I got a busy signal. He said, you came to the right place for that. <laughs> so just little things like that just make me laugh every day.
2: It's
4: well, great.
1: day. We've
2: been talking for a long time to have Mick on the podcast and Ken was saying, well, yeah, it's just going to take, like we're
1: going to have to coordinate
2: a little bit and we're like, it's too much we don't coordinate. That's why we brought it to you. We brought it to you in
1: person, Mick. <laughs> that's how. What do you mean you don't coordinate? Oh, to get you on the podcast by phone. It's yeah. better you're actually walked here and you're sitting yeah. here. Oh, that'd be much easier. Yeah, much yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's better. right
0: about the fact that we, for all purposes, we do not rehearse. Uh, we would joke actually. After a while, they'd say, "Well, we'd like to pre-tape well, it just so everybody involved no. gets a gets a feel for it." We no. "Well, why do you why don't you tape it?" in case it's good. Yeah. And then we use it. <laughs> right. But nowadays, we don't even just, just turn that light on and let's rock and roll. And, I mean, that's the fun of it. I mean, I've been doing this for 43 years, and I can't tell you how much fun it still is for me. The game is, is the same game played differently than it used to be in my day, or even after that. But um, look at this. This is a, amazing. The support that this team gets through the 25 years of what we've gone through, and the The good times and the disappointments and now the rebuild and the the support that we would see on the road of folks like yourself wearing the Red Wing jersey and supporting the team is uh it's amazing. Being a part of original six, we don't want to put anybody else down in this league, which are 32 now. Yeah. So 26 other teams, but original six, like we got two tonight, it's as good as it gets, boy, if you're in the hockey business. So we're lucky. I was waiting for a question. So, how about have a question for me? For you? Okay. What do you guys do? How long do you want to hear normally? Uh, an hour? Too long. Yeah, we shoot for an hour to hour and a half. Okay, and now. This is where my knowledge, lack of knowledge of uh, this stuff, podcast. <laughs> uh, it's a podcast. They take it um, twice, so you a can week. go as long as you want or not as long as you want. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. yep. Right. We don't have bosses, uh, so there's no clock. I mean, it's just like no clock, and it goes in the airways there. And everybody, right. Everybody Home and Exactly. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, That's right. Yeah. So, what's the basis of your of your podcast? Is hockey the East Detroit Red Wings? Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and they didn't give me a whole fun. lot of information. No. You guys had had really supported the foundation and done a hell of a job, and would I please come down? I said, sure, but no problem.
1: And I also told him you're very knowledgeable about not just the Red Wings, but the game. Yeah, yes, right.
0: and, and the fact that at this
1: table there are five Canadians sitting here right now.
0: That's really unique. That's <laughs> not Are there any uh, Canadians in this crowd here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did
0: you get your PCR test? I mean, not Montreal Canadians. No. Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone draw Canadian jerseys in here tonight? Uh. No. <laughs> so,
2: Mick, we started in 2015. Okay. And uh, our first time ever meeting up, we met up with uh, two people at a bar just down the road from the Joe. And uh, this is our most recent meetup. First time, obviously, since before the pandemic. Over 400 tickets sold for this. And wow. We just passed $2 million Downloads and views lifetime on the podcast. So there
1: you go. Done. So good So I'll ask you the question that they asked me earlier, and you weren't here to hear it, so we'll see what your response is. And they started this just sort of when we were going into the rebuild, and I said Kenny Holland probably should have started it a few years earlier or a year earlier, but we had the new building and, you know, and a, and a playoff streak on the line. But what are your thoughts about watching this team night in and night out and expectations and within the rebuild of what we can look forward to and how long.
0: I can tell you starting uh, in uh, four years ago, Ken Holland was going to sign Brendan Smith. It was March of 17, I believe. And when that thing fell through and he decided to make the deal to the Rangers for Brendan Smith, that was the day that the rebuild began. So basically four and a half years ago, And uh, Ken Holland has often said, uh, and most people don't believe him, that it's seven to ten years. See, thank you. (laughs) Not rehearsed. Yeah,
1: no, go carry on, though. That's good. good.
0: (laughs) And I mean, we're four years in, right? Um, I think to answer your question as best I can at this point in time, our team this year, I think, has a different swagger to it. Does that mean we're going to challenge every night and play against the Washingtons and the Edmontons? No, it does not. What it means is that you're building a foundation. You all know about building. If you don't have a good foundation, the house falls down. And the foundation we had built here through, you know, the disappointment in 95 against the Devils, get swept, get embarrassed, and 96, 132 points, lose in the conference final. Uh, And, I mean, Eisenman was about ready, I think, to pack it in. And 14 years later, he gets a Stanley Cup. It's interesting that Ovechkin and the Caps. Took him 14 years to win a Stanley Cup, so I think I think we're we're, we're doing very well with especially cider and and uh, Lucas Raymond right now. Those two guys may be around here for a long time. This kid, is Edmondson. 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 yeah, uh, Simon Edmondson, the kid apparently in Sweden's doing very well. You have to build through the draft. Basically, you're not going to make a lot of trades and get a lot of free agents these days with the salary cap being what it is. So I think we're doing very well for us on the air. We hope for entertainment, for fun, be able to do the game makes our job easier when this team plays better and they compete better. And I think our team will will be more competitive in a longer time during games and during the season. And certainly, goaltending is huge when it comes to a building team. And I think we're getting great goaltending right now.
2: All right, folks, uh, so we've actually run a little bit long here. Apologies to... I thought
0: you said there was no clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got him it. Because it's game. <laughs> well, we're, we're
1: getting a hook. It's LCA night. that's why. I, I get it. Well, That's all right. right.
0: Thank so you. had to bring the bad news. Thank you yeah. all so
2: much. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Come up and grab our merch. I don't want to bring any of this home. It's annoying to bring across the border. Uh Ken Mick, I'm not gonna say uh thank you too much because I want us to do this again, so until next time, but seriously we really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, uh, thank you. thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks everyone.